Well, good morning, West Bowles Community Church. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Doing well on this Labor Day weekend? Yeah, everyone rested? No, no, okay. All right, there's my answer. Hey, um, my name is David Prez. I'm the youth pastor, youth director here at West Bowles Community Church. Um, and it is so good to be here with you this morning. Um, before we start, real quickly, can we just give Emily, Kurt, and the worship team one more round of applause, please? Yeah, thank you guys so much for ushering us into the service this morning. Um, man, that was powerful. So, um, well, I'm going to pray real quick, uh, and then we will get started uh, into the sermon this morning, into the life verses, which I am wrapping up today. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Uh, thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity for us to gather um, as a body, Lord God. Uh, for us, the opportunity to be able to watch online, Lord. Um, and Lord, this morning, um, I pray that you speak through me. Lord Jesus, you tell us apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning you speak through me. Um, Lord, you know, apart from you, I can do nothing. And so we just um, pray that you open hearts and ears, Lord God. Um, I pray that it be your words, Lord, um, not mine. If there's anything you don't want me to say, Lord, I pray that I not say it. And if there's something else you want me to say, Lord, I pray that I speak it. Uh, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, how many of you have heard the expression, uh, make a mountain out of a molehill? Heard that? Yeah. How many of you have made a mountain out of a molehill? Yeah, we all have, okay? For those of you who have not heard that expression, I saw a few hands and went raised. Um, what that means is to make a big deal out of something that is not a big deal, okay? To make a big deal out of something that's not a big deal. And there's um, a few situations in life that are really no big deal, okay? So um, an example of that would be like forgetting your lunch, okay? You forget your lunch, it stinks, it's terrible. Okay, but it's not the end of the world, is it? No, no, right? We're going to need to pray for your coworkers because you're going to be hangry all day. Okay, but it's not the end of the world. Um, another example of something that's not a big deal, okay, would be like uh, you show up to the gym and you realize you've forgotten your headphones. Anyone else experience that? Yeah, it's like your stomach drops because you get there, you realize there's no headphones, and you know for the next 30 minutes to an hour, you're going to have to listen to Justin Bieber the entire time you work out, okay? I've got nothing against Justin Bieber, but listening to a 12-year-old talk about how at 12, the love of his life has left him does not get me excited to work out, okay? It does not pump me up, okay? It doesn't push me. Another example, kids, okay, there's a few of you here today, um, would be like forgetting your pencil as you go to school, okay? I know you don't use pencils anymore, okay, but back in my day, we use pens and paper, write everything down, and I use Chromebooks, okay? But you forget your pencil, you can just ask someone for a new one, right? One more example of something that's not a big deal, okay? This is purely hypothetical. This did not happen, okay? Purely hypothetical. Let's say you're a youth director, middle of COVID, okay? And uh, you're finally able to do some summer trips. And so in order to be able to do these summer trips, um, you decide to order some free COVID tests that the county offers, okay? And so um, in your figures, again, hypothetical, in your figures you go, okay, probably you need about 250 tests. You know, we're going to have around 200 kids and leaders, so we'll have an extra 50, okay? So you go, I'm going to order 250 tests, but you misread what the county puts up there, and you end up ordering 900 tests, okay? All right, okay, okay. There's a picture up here. Um, yeah. That's 250 boxes, okay? That is 900 COVID tests, all right, okay? Um, I bring that up because I did that, okay? That was me. 
I was the laughing stock of the uh, office for a week or a month. Um, they all teased me, made fun of me. The reason I bring it up, it's just not that big of a deal, right? Please comfort me and tell me this is not that big of a deal, right? No, no, no big deal. We've still got like 700 of them, oh dear Lord. Um, luckily, they were free. Okay, I'm glad you guys all agree with me. My bosses who are watching, they, okay, it's not that big of a deal. They agree, okay, all right? So there's things in life that are no big deal. And there's, there's other things in life that are seemingly small or insignificant but turn out to be a big deal, okay? Things that we go, well, it's, it's not that big of a deal, but really it is. An example of that would be, um, you know, like let's say you go to change your own oil, right? You change your oil and you, uh, you put a new filter on, you put oil in, you put your oil plug in, but you forget to put your cap on in your engine, okay? Right, that's, that's such a small piece of everything you dish, just did but you don't put that cap on, you're gonna run out of oil, aren't you? There's gonna be oil everywhere, that's a big deal. Another example, um, let's say you head off to work, you forget to turn your stove off. All right, doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? I mean, you think about everything you do in a day, you think about all the big projects that you have going on, maybe you've gotta get the kids to sports, You've got all these things going on at work. You've got to make sure you pick up the groceries. Kids, maybe you've got homework and sports, and you've got things going on with your friends. And so you think, you know what, turning, turning a knob a quarter of an inch, not that big of a deal, right? Well, you leave that on all day, and there's something flammable right there. All of a sudden, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Seems insignificant but it can be a really big deal. Another example of something that doesn't seem like a big deal that is, is ordering 900 COVID tests when really you meant to order 250, okay? All right? No, but in life we do. There are things that seem this small or that we tend to make this small that end up being a really big deal. In other words, here's the next slide. In other words, we tend to downplay what is actually a big deal. We downplay what is actually a big deal. And one of the biggest things that we downplay, whether we realize it or not, is sin. Sin is one of those things that we downplay and sometimes subconsciously. You know, maybe you've grown up a Christian and you've known Christ for some of us 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And in that time, it can get very easy to think, oh, sin's not that big of a deal anymore. Or maybe we look at the world around us and what's going on, and in a very real sense, society around us is telling us exactly this, that sin is not that big of a deal. Oh, what's the big deal? It's not that bad. In fact, the world around us right now is telling us it's a good thing, right? You should be doing it. And so I wanna talk to you real quickly three, three ways, three ways that we downplay sin and how big of a deal it is. Three ways that we do this. So first, we compare. All right, we compare. How many of you have uttered the, uh, the sentence, well, at least I didn't kill anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, just a few, more of you have, okay? What we tend to do is we go, okay, yeah, I, I know I watched that. I know I shouldn't have, or yeah, I know, I know I really, really lied about that. But at least I didn't do that, right? But, but at, 
at least I didn't kill somebody. Or, but I, I could have done something much worse. And really, I just, I just did something small. And so we compare our wrongs, our sins, to things that are, or sins that have greater consequence. Not necessarily sins that are worse, but sins that have a greater consequence to them. And when we do that, we downplay how big of a deal sin is, even the little ones. The next thing we do, the next thing we do is we think we are the exception. Okay, we go, you know what? Yeah, I, okay, I know this is bad. I, I know this could lead to an addiction, but that was them. I'm not going to get addicted. No, I, I, I can dabble. I, I, can, I can dip my foot in the water. Sure, everyone else ran into some trouble. Sure, it was destructive in other people's lives, but not me. I've got enough willpower. I can resist. I can do it just this once, maybe, maybe twice, but that's it. We think we are the exception of the rule. Well, what does that do? That downplays just how destructive and enticing and how big of a deal sin is. The last thing we do, okay, the very last thing we do, is we tend to think that we can fix it or make up for it, okay? Yeah, you know what? I know I just, I laid into my neighbor. I mean, I called in some, some names that I didn't even know were possible to call them. He, he disagrees with me on certain things, and I, I let him have a piece of my mind. And man, I made sure he felt about this big. I know that was unloving and wrong of me, but you know what? I went to church on Sunday. That makes up for it. Yeah, I know I stole that thing, or yeah, I know I, I lied about that, or yeah, I know I cheated. But I, I bought lunch for that homeless man on the road. That's got to make up for it. What we tend to do is we tend to go, well, the good things I do outweigh the bad things I do, outweigh my sin. And again, that downplays just how big of a deal, just how serious sin is. It is a big deal, a real big deal. Sometimes we treat it like this, but Scripture actually says, Otherwise, so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me, turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. I know the verse up there said 8 through 9, but we're actually going to be reading 1 through 10. All right, so Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bible, we are going to pick it up right here in verse 1. Paul says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Let me read verse 1 again. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, notice how Paul doesn't say, as for you, you were just asleep in your sins. Like, spiritually, you were, you were just asleep. He doesn't say, you know what, actually, uh, you, were, you were half alive, okay? Yeah, yeah, you were half dead, but you were half alive, so it's, it's not that bad. Or he doesn't say, if you've watched Monty Python, it was merely a flesh wound, okay? Merely a flesh wound, that's it. But otherwise, you're okay. 
No, Paul says what? Spiritually, right? We were dead in our transgressions. Dead. And that's not unique to this verse. Scripture talks about it elsewhere. Right? The wages of sin is death. Sin, when fully bloomed, brings about death. Yeah, and so death, I don't know about you, but death's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's pretty serious. See, that's the state, that's the condition Paul says we are in. Spiritually, before knowing Christ, because of sin, we are dead. That's a big deal. Up behind me, you are going to find a list of some sins. And I don't know about you, but as I look at that, I can find myself. As I look at some of what's up there, I can look and see some of my own sin. If we're being honest, every single one of us can find a little bit of what we've done up there. Some of us might even be saying, Phew, I clear the list. Now, I don't bring up this passage that Paul's talking about. I'm not talking about sin being death and, and bringing up this list of sins just to guilt you, okay? I mean, could you imagine if this was my life verse? It'd be pretty, it'd be pretty bleak Sunday, wouldn't it? Could you imagine if I got up here and said, here's a list of sins, you're all sinners. All right, good morning, good night, we're praying, and we're out of here. I'd be in trouble, okay? That'd be a bad place to leave you. In fact, that might be my last time preaching, okay? I don't bring this up. I don't bring up how big of a deal sin is and talk about how deadly it is. I don't maybe even throw some of our own sins right back at us just to do that. No. The reason we're doing that this morning is because in order to truly understand, in order to grasp the magnitude, the, how amazing it is what Paul says next, in order to really understand how big of a deal the next seven passages are that we're going to read, we have to understand the mess we were in, or for some of us, the mess we are currently in. We have to understand just how big of a deal sin is. Just how big of a problem it is if we're going to understand what Paul says next. So, we can pick our Bibles back up. We're going to pick it right where we left off. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Paul says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let me read verse 4 again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. You see, our sin was a big deal. Our sin was bad. But you know what? Christ's death 
and resurrection, his sacrifice for us is bigger, it is better, it is far more reaching than all of the sin in our lives. It is greater than anything we have ever done wrong. It is greater than anything we will ever do wrong. Christ's sacrifice is big enough, great enough, grand enough to get us out of the mess that we made. It raised us up from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses, yet Christ raised us up through his death and his resurrection. That's some good news, isn't it? That is great news. And you see, when we become believers, we are tied to Christ. We are unified with him. What is true of him becomes true of us. When we come to believe, we have taken part in his death and his resurrection. In other words, Christ or God no longer sees us through the lens of all the things we've done wrong. No, he sees us as perfect, as righteous because of what Jesus did, because of his sacrifice for us, because of how big and grand and the fact that it paid for everything we have ever done wrong and everything we ever will do wrong. I want to make sure I get this right, so I'm going to read this off my notes. His death and resurrection forgave us of our sins, paid the price for us, gave us new life, draws us near to the Father, and now through his Holy Spirit, we are each day being made new and more like him. You see, salvation, salvation is a daily thing. We are daily being made new. The cross isn't just something that happened once and we can forget about it and move on with our lives. No, it is life-changing, life-altering. It means we are new. It is new life daily, day in and day out. We get to take part in this newness of life that Christ has given us through his death and resurrection. You see, and we can look at the next slide here. You see, whereas before, our identity, we were defined by our sin. Now we are defined by the new life that Christ has given us. Before our identity, who we are, it was about all the things we did wrong. But now, it is defined by Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection and the fact that we get to take part in this newness every single day. Now, here's the thing that I love about Paul. He gives us these big ideas. Okay, this is a big idea, right? I mean, in in four verses, in seven verses, he's just, man, he's hit us hard with some stuff. And sometimes we don't grasp it right away. Sometimes we don't grasp the depth of what he's saying, of what God did. And so we see Paul sometimes repeats himself, and he repeats himself right here. So take a look at this next verse. So he just got done telling us about how in Christ we are raised to life. We have a new life. He has forgiven our sins. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, he reminds us, he says, it's by faith. By, By grace you have been saved through faith. It's nothing you could have done. 
In other words, what he's saying is no amount of good, no amount of right actions, no amount of you being on your best behavior can earn salvation. In other words, God's not up there. He's not, he's not with us going, all right, and you've done just enough good, you get grace. Right? You've, you've finally done enough right things, I'll give you my grace. No, Paul's saying, you, you couldn't have earned it. There's no amount of good things you could do. And the flip side is true as well. It's not like God is looking at us going, oh, buddy, <laughs> you've messed up too much. Yeah, you, you've been too wrong. Man, if we look a li- at a list of the things that you've done wrong in your life, it's, it's too big. Mm-mm. There's not enough grace there for you. No, he doesn't say that either. You see, at our worst moment, when we were at our worst, that's when Jesus Christ died for us. In fact, we did not deserve his death, his sacrifice, his resurrection for us, yet, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we were at our worst, he freely chose to die for us. He freely chose to give us his grace, salvation. Let me give you a, an example. It's, it, it's not the best example, but it's, it's just a little taste of how big of a deal this is, all right? Do you guys remember the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Yeah? All right? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice, okay? Um, if I'm being honest, that last line was responsible for my amazing behavior in the month of December as a kid, okay? January through November, man, I was probably the worst kid in the world. But come December, sainthood, okay? Saint, an angel. And I'm sure that's probably true of a few of us, yeah? So just imagine you're a kid again, okay? Imagine you're a little kid again. And you know, you know, you know that line. And so December rolls around, right? December rolls around. And you know what your job is. Let's say you begin doing the opposite. All of a sudden, December goes from what should have been your best month to my goodness gracious, it is your worst month. Let's say all of a sudden you become a terror. It's almost as if, let's say, you've got this list of all the wrong things you could do and you're just trying to check them off, okay? You're, talk, you're back-talking mom and dad. You're getting in fights with siblings. You're using four-letter words that you shouldn't be ever using, okay? You're failing out of school. You're getting suspended. You're talking back to teachers. You're being destructive and disruptive and, and anything wrong that you can do, let's just say you're, you're, you're doing it. You're on a roll. So you've had the worst December in your life. In fact, you've had the worst December in the history of mankind, Okay, it's going to go down in history. So let's say, imagine with me if you will, you get to Christmas Eve. And all of a sudden you realize just how horrible you've been. So the realization sets in. Well, if he's making a list, he did not have to check it twice for me. I've been terrible. And so the realization hits you. You are getting nothing tomorrow morning. In fact, you don't even deserve the lump of coal that the worst kids get. 
You're going, I, I, I don't deserve anything. And you realize I'm not, I'm, I'm going to wake up to zero gifts tomorrow. I shouldn't even show up. What's the point? So you stay up all night. Christmas morning rolls around and your siblings run down the stairs. Your parents go down the stairs. And you mosey on down because you know what's waiting for you. You get down to the bottom of the stairs in the living room, right in front of the tree. And right there, mom and dad, they've got a gift for you. And you're shocked. <laughs> I don't deserve this. Can you open that gift? And not only is it a gift, but it is the biggest, best gift you have ever received. It is better than anything you've gotten in Christmas past. It is better than anything you even got when you were at your best behavior. And they gave it to you when you were at your worst, when you didn't deserve it. You still got it. Small, small, small example, but that's what his grace is like. You see, we didn't deserve it. When we were at our worst, when we'd been at our worst, we oftentimes think, I'm not going to get it, right? His grace has run out for me. I'm too much for him. Yet that's when God gives us his grace, when we were dead in our sin. That's when God chose to give us that gift, even though we didn't deserve it. And he's not done there. You see, the next point right up here on the, on the board, even though we did no work to receive that gift, God has work in store for us because of it. Even though we did no work to receive that gift, right? We can do no work to earn it. God gives us work because of it. Let's read what Paul tells us in this very next verse. Verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we were dead in our sins. Christ made us alive. He gives us a new life. And now because of that, because of his sacrifice for us, because of this new life he gives us, he now calls each and every single one of us, everyone here, everyone watching, everyone who believes in him, he calls each and every single one of us to be an active part, a participant in what he is doing, in the good work that he is doing here and now, in this place, at this time. He calls us to be a part of his good work. You see, sometimes we think, no, you know what? That, that active role, it's for the preachers. It's for the guys that get up there and, and speak. Or, or maybe we think, I don't know all the answers. You know what? Someone's, someone's got questions that I can't answer, so that's up to someone else. That's up to the people that went to Bible college. Or maybe we think, yeah, yeah I can't public speak, but I can barely even speak to people. There, there's no way I'm a part of the good works he's doing because I get too nervous to be in front of people. I get too nervous to even have a conversation. Uh -uh. It's not for me. Maybe some of us think, 
Oof. If you would have seen what my past looks like and how bad it was, you would know that, yeah, I'm saved, but no, no way I can talk to anyone be part of a good work. My past is too bad. Or maybe for some of you, the opposite is true. Maybe you're going, I don't have that great of a testimony. I wasn't addicted to drugs. I didn't, my life didn't do this crazy 180. I grew up in the church, and I came to know Jesus in third grade, and I've been going to church ever since. And it's a boring, boring testimony. So we think, I, I'm not a part of this good work. And so what we do is we think we belong on the sidelines. We think that, sure, what Paul is saying is he's saying, yeah, God, God prepared some good works for some of us to do, for a select few, for only those that are good at speaking or who are good enough or who have done enough or who have, have a big enough story. No, that's not what Paul says. That's not what we read. You're in the game. In fact, you're a starter. You see, Paul says, for we, all of us, are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you are saved, if you know Jesus Christ, if you've been redeemed and you've been brought back to life, then God is calling you to be an active participant in his good works here on this earth, regardless of your age, ethnicity, regardless of your past, your gender, your position, regardless of your history, or even regardless of the things that you're self-conscious of, God is calling you, each and every single one of you, to be a part of what he's doing here. So, Where's the main point? Okay, I've just talked for about 30 minutes, and there's been no one-line sentence. There's been no main point. It's for a reason. Because this morning, instead of having one main point, instead of giving us one thing that we can real quickly remember and take this week, I actually want to ask us three questions. Three questions that are going to help us really dig down and think about this verse throughout the week that are going to help us, help us really reflect upon what Paul said, how great Christ's sacrifice was for us, and now the part that we're going to play. So the first question, and you can take a picture of these, write them down. First question is this. You can see it up here on the screen. There it is. What is my response to my sin or shortcomings? What is my response to my sin or shortcomings. Do I justify them? Do I get defensive? Do I think I can get myself out? When I look back in the mirror and I reflect, what is my response to that sin? Second question. Second question is this. I'll let it pop up. There it is. How often, sorry, you can't read that. It says this. How often do I meditate or think on Christ's sacrifice and what it means? How often do I meditate, right? To meditate is to think deeply, is to chew on, is to let it run in your head day in and day out consistently. How often do I meditate or think on 
Christ's sacrifice for me? All right, and the third question, last one. Last one is this. What has he gifted me for, or what is my role in what God is doing here and now? What has he gifted me for, or what is my role in what God is doing here and now? You see, he's given, given each and every single one of you a gift. So what has he gifted you with? And how are you going to use it to be a part of the good works that he is doing here and now? So as I thought about the message this week, as I thought about these verses and what Christ has done for us, I tried to think about maybe some kind of closing story that could communicate the power of what Christ did. But you know what? I couldn't find anything that would do it justice. I couldn't find anything that would do justice to what Jesus did. And so, instead of an ending story, I just want to reread what Paul said. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. West Bowles, you have been saved by grace. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, for what you did on the cross, Lord, the fact that you, Lord God, paid the price for us. You took our place. Lord, thank you for the fact that while we were dead in our trespasses, Lord, you died for us and raised us to life. Lord God, I pray that as this week continues on, Lord, I pray that we truly meditate upon your sacrifice, that we truly think about and read these verses back, Lord God, and just that we be in awe of just how great, how grand, how powerful your death and resurrection was for us, Lord, at the fact that we have a new lease on life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.